Solid, the comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. I'm Pat Francis. We're trying something new today, recording through Zoom. So we've got a Zoom guest. I see him. He sees me. I'm going to let him introduce himself to you right now. He's been on the show before, but never in this capacity. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome. My name is Alexi Lawless, and I am privileged and honored and pleased to be back yet again with you pat on this show i i I hear that opening music and you know it just it warms the cockles of my redheaded heart so i'm so happy to be here i know this isn't the ideal way but this is better than nothing now at least i see you from a zoom perspective and so we are kind of sitting across from each other we are we are and uh and you didn't have to you didn't have to drive to the valley that's true which fee fee wable would love that (laughs) <laughs> he, might, he might be willing to do this every day. Uh, so, Alexi, you uh, normally we when we see you, normally you're you're on TV and you uh, and you're very well groomed because you're presenting your face to the public and you have to look a, a professional. You have to look like a professional. But uh, during the Corona um, lockdown, uh, a little bit different. Yes. Uh, so we're, we're recording this uh, the end of May-ish, mm-hmm. and um, we are we're starting to kind of come out a little bit, but uh, I am still in my, uh, let's say, find a cabin in the woods, write a manifesto about the evils of technology and society type of uh, appearance and aesthetic. And I, this, I haven't had a, a beard this big or any facial hair this big since back in the heyday in the 90s with the, uh, the long goatee when I was running around. Uh, on soccer fields. So for, for me, this is actually, um, I'm growing hair in places, I don't know about you, that I never <laughs> ever thought uh, I, could, I could grow hair and certainly that I yeah. don't want to grow yeah. hair. But, you know, the, the cleaning up ha- will happen at some point, uh, just yeah. not yet. Absolutely. And, and you can't, when you're, when you're a professional broadcaster and you're on TV, um, it always looks sloppy if you start to grow a beard in the middle of that job. Now, if you wanted to, you could shave that down to a nice, uh, a nice uh, groomed level, and then you could you could start your job with a beard when you go back if you wanted to. Will you do that? I can definitely do it. I think I'm going to do something. I'm I am enjoying it too much to just completely go back to uh, clean shaven and you know high and tight when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to the hair. So maybe this this version of me that existed back in the 1900s, uh, back in the previous century, a little little version of it is coming out right now. Yeah, I was going to say, is it possible that the 90s goatee comes back? I think, you know, I'm, I'm turning 50, <laughs> Pat, here in a week uh, from, from our, our day of record. Uh, and so uh, it's a milestone as, as, as for, for anybody that, that does that. And so maybe I'll do a little homage to the past. And for that day, I'll shave in the goatee, which I haven't had since 1999. So it's been 20 years, well, so, you sorry, gotta, 2000. So it has been 20 years. Obviously, pictures need to be taken and posted if that happens. Right. I don't know. Say again. I said, obviously, pictures need to be taken and posted if that happens. Yes. Uh, And they will. I mean, in this day and age Mm -hmm. where everything is very, very important (laughs) and everybody is so interested in everything, including my my facial hair, whatever phase it may be. So I will make sure that the public is sated and, and given you know, all of, uh, of me that they can possibly handle. Now, how does, uh, does your wife enjoy that you're growing the beard again? Does she like it? 
she is okay with it. Although she, like you said, I think she looks at it as if you're going to do it, do it with some panache and do it with some <laughs> style. And so I think she wants it to be much less Grizzly Adams. Right. Uh, you know, what, what's the one with Leonardo? The Rev, Reverend or Revenant? Uh, or the Revenant. Or he, yeah. The Revenant. Yeah, well, whatever that one is, uh, much less so that type of. Uh, unruly and unkempt look as opposed to you know a much more styled look so I think she'd be okay with the beard as long as I went back and I haven't the only concession I've made is kind of uh, I, I trimmed my my neck hair but <laughs> right it was it was a small little thing so she's she's tolerating it right now given the interesting times we're living in now are you surprised at the and I'm not saying anything out of out of uh, turn because you go live when uh Twitter a lot. So people have seen you in this manner. Are you surprised at the amount of gray that you actually have in your beard currently? I am. No, I'm not surprised. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is kind of normal for what happens. Um, I I think others are surprised and it is a little jarring and jolting for anybody that maybe hasn't seen me for for a while. But, you know, I, I, I like to look at it uh, as distinguished regardless of what anybody else says. So that's what I'm going with. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I have uh, like my kids last night and I just have a little bit of scruff going and they're like, dad, you need to shave because there's, yeah. it's, it's so much gray in my beard. And they said, they just said it makes you look old. So you just need well, to it, shave. It is amazing how, you know, in this time of, of crisis and challenge, how much hair talk there is and there's salon tons of hair talk. And, yeah. and you know my my wife i love i love my wife and so the, you know the grays come out because she's not you know getting it colored and yeah doing her thing right. and i tell her i think it's awesome i love it but it, it doesn't have the desired effect i'm hoping that that is like the the best possible thing to say yeah. and yet it, it doesn't land the way that i no. wanted it to yeah. land pilar so, cannot wait to get her hair done like she normally does Right. Yeah. And, so, and I think it looks great. I'm like, I think you look good. Exactly. And I, either they don't believe you or right. they just don't want to believe you. Yeah. Or, or they just want it how they want it. Right. They had, yeah, we really have no, no say anyway. <laughs> how are, uh, how are your kids doing with the, with the quarantine and everything? Look, we are muddling through like everybody else uh, here in Los Angeles, uh, like you. We are uh, trying to figure it out. We have had the, you know, for a number of months now, the online um, schooling, which yes. has gone relatively well. I, I'm I'm interested to see if there are things that come out of this in that, you know, are there moments where because of the online schooling, there's much more emphasis and much more concentration than in normal times. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to happen. And I'm not saying that you that we this this is the new normal. But, um, you know, we're trying to stay off each other's backs and not irritate each other's other too much. Uh, that's going well at times. We all have our moments and we recognize that we can all have our moments. But, you know, we're doing the things to keep ourselves and, and others safe. And hopefully, like I said, we're we're coming around and, and coming out of some of it. But we still got a long way to go, as, as we know. And these are unprecedented times. I tell them all the time, look. I can't tell you how to feel or how to function because I've never been through this either. But right, exactly. They're going to have a hell of a story to tell their kids when their kids are whining and screaming. That whole walk to school in the snow has kind of been blown out of the wind, uh, out of the uh, the window there. So, a friend of mine made a joke. He said, "You'll they'll, our kids would tell the joke." Uh, when I was your age, I had to walk. I went to walk to school up and down the stairs, uh, up the stairs both ways. <laughs> exactly. It kind is, of messed that up a little bit, but. Um, they're being troopers though. So, uh, I, I got to yep. take my hat. We don't have the, the kids here. They're being, they're being great. Ezra just finished up sophomore year of college from home. Rita has two more weeks of sophomore year in high school, but they, they don't have a curfew. They're staying up crazy late and sleeping in crazy late. It's one fifteen PM in the afternoon right now. And Rita 
she got up and did her online class, her Zoom class, and right, she's asleep right now. Back to bed. Yeah, it's there is no schedule. There's no, there's no schedule, and there and there's What's no time? need to be. Yeah, as <laughs> no, long as as long as they're you know as long as they're being uh, good and and are and are thriving. I don't I don't care what they're doing. And you know, I have uh, I have a fourteen or going to be fifteen year old mm-hmm. uh, girl and a going to be twelve uh, year old boy. And when it comes to the video game thing, which we guard against so much right. uh, in right. normal times, now it is not only encouraged, but it is it is oftentimes their form of communication, and it is their. You know, we went to play dates, but it is kind of a play date where they hang out with their friends and buddies. I hear everything because it's happening in the house, and it's yeah, funny yeah. to hear them all kind of talk their their 13 year old uh, and 12 year old version <laughs> right. of smack, whatever that, whatever right. that is, but it's all through Fortnite and gaming and stuff. And you have to kind of let them have that and encourage it. So the rules that applied a few months ago don't apply anymore. And who knows what it will return to or what it won't return to going forward. And I forget the last time we were together in person, did your kids have phones or they didn't have phones? We, my, my daughter had just gotten her phone. Okay. She was one of the last. Yes. Uh, that's what I remember. The whole uh, last holdout. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and she's made up for lost time. Oh yeah. Me. She's uh, <laughs> FaceTiming with her friends all the time. Probably uh, there was a, well, there was a big thing where we then had to decide whether she got any type of social media and we finally agreed to let her have Instagram as long as I could follow her. Yes. So she recognized that, look, anything that you post out there, recognize that your father is going to see it. So yeah. you better pick and choose wisely. The only thing that I have threatened is to get on, uh, and you mentioned, you know, I'm, I'm active on Twitter and that's my, my real, the one that I, that I do the most because I don't understand how to work a lot of the right. other ones. Yeah, but, yeah. But I, I have threatened her to get on uh, TikTok, and there is there is nothing better than seeing her face when I do threaten, and the, just the the mortified look yeah. that comes over as same here, same in same TikTok. in our house when I when I, I threaten to get on I keep TikTok. That around. Yep. So, but yeah. I haven't done it yet. So she's she's definitely on TikTok and doing all that kind of stuff. Uh, that's cool. And 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 your son now he doesn't have a phone yet. So how is he communicating with his friends through the video game? So, so they play through the video game and they, and they all talk. have their headsets okay. and they're all, you know, they, it's, it's really amazing, amazing virtual world, I guess. But, but there's also a communication that goes on. So they're, they're interacting and that mm-hmm. social interaction I think is important because it gets lost from a face to face and human contact. And so this is the best that we, that we can do. Like we're doing zoom here. Mm-hmm. You know, he does zoom calls. He does texting with people and FaceTiming with people that, in normal days, I don't think he would be doing it, and certainly right. wouldn't be doing it this, to this extent. Exactly. Uh, yeah. It's really been fun to see how that type of communication has become so important, and you have to encourage it and say, "Hey, this is this is good because this is the best we have for now." Yep. I mean, if this if if this had happened when I was fifteen or you were fifteen, we would we we would be killing each other at the house because there would be what what would the outlet be? You know what I mean? I mean, because even, you know, when I was 15, there wasn't Netflix and all the stuff you can watch. There was outdoors and playing and stuff like that. So if you were confined to your house, you would go insane. Oh, my God. It would it would be nuts. I mean, look, we were already moving away from the fact that when we grew up, it was kick us out of the house and you got to come back by dinner. And right. Exactly. Whatever happens, happens. Yeah. And we moved on to the play dates and you don't put people out of the house. But like you said, I mean, I can't even fathom what we would have done. I mean, we, we would have made it work and figured it out. But, you know, the the amount of horrible 
movies that I have watched, yeah. uh, wonderful you know, series, wonderful documentaries, all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm getting to the bottom of the barrel when it comes to Netflix, <laughs> though. I find myself <laughs> clicking through and going over and over and over trying to find something that it's at least will get me through a couple hours. Yeah, sometimes you just spend uh, a half hour going through uh, the menu and then not choosing anything. Exactly. Exactly. And you feel like you, you, you've, you've failed. Although, I mean, I tell you what, there are, I guess I knew this and back in the day we would call it going straight to video, but there are just incredible libraries of, of, uh, movies that mainstream actors have done. I mean, I, like the Sylvester Stallone, yeah. Sylvester Stallone, but the, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger catalog yeah. of movies that I never, I watched a Al Pacino movie last night that I never ever heard of before it was horrible don't get me wrong it was yeah. horrible but i'm sure he got paid a lot of money but you know you're in desperate situations you you know you act desperately well um i'm not gonna say i won't say the company i won't say my brother-in-law's name i won't say any <laughs> any of this stuff but i will tell you my brother-in-law works for a, a motion picture company is that how you say it in, in yeah, the 20s yeah, maybe and um they hired sylvester stallone to be in one of those movies he got $4.5 million for one day, for one day. Wow. And they just, and then they put him on the poster, they put him on the box, they put him on everything because, you know, and then, and then I guess they're just filming, like, I guess it's like one or two takes and they're just like moving them from set piece to set piece and getting as much out of him in that one day as possible. But I mean, who wouldn't take that gig one day, $4.5 million? And it's and it's probably from a from a financial perspective, uh, it, it there is a formula probably where mm -hmm. that does work. So you say, oh, that's crazy for for, for one day, but the promotion that they get mm -hmm. and the amount of people that will ultimately click on it and buy it or, or go and yeah. see it is such that you will make that back up. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it. Well, the money comes from overseas. I mean, here we'll see it on Redbox or it'll eventually be on Netflix or whatever, and, and you'll say, what the hell is this? But I guess then they market it on the big screen and you know. China and Japan and people love Sylvester Stallone. They still love all those yeah. actors. So they'll, that's where they make the money back like immediately. So it's amazing. Yeah, the other interesting thing, uh, and I don't know if you've seen this with, with your podcast, but you think that now that people have more time, that they have more time to listen to podcasts. Mm -hmm. And what, what we've obviously found is that as the routine has been broken, that, that is in that normal. Yeah. Actually, it's actually not the case. So, you know, to your listeners, uh, I, I guess, you know, thank you for, for, for continuing to tune in uh, for, for all the podcasts out there. Yeah. Did you, have, you, have you listened to the um, Wind of Change podcast? No. Tell me about oh, that. Oh, my goodness. All right. So there's this new podcast out there. Uh, Scorpions, who, who you know. Okay. Uh, yes. Right? Yes. It's a band. They, one of their major hits over the years was Winds of Ch Wind of Change. Um, and it's this incredible deep dive into the conspiracy theory and the propaganda behind that in that there were rumors that that was actually a song written by the intelligence community of the United States and the CIA wow. Wow. as a form of propaganda. That, and it goes all back into this incredible backstory of the Moscow Musical Festival, mm -hmm. Music Festival, a piece of music festival, and Doc McGee and all those bands. And that was where he ended up, where Klaus Mina ended up writing the song. And by the way, Klaus Mina was not the musical writer for the Scorpions. Uh, and this was just out of nowhere it came. So it's, it's, you know, it's all this conspiracy theory, but it is a fascinating type of story. And how many episodes could there be of this? Oh my God, it's 10 episodes. It's, it, it gets, it's, it's it like a 10 episode all. mini series. Yes. All right. I, I do recommend it. It is fun. I will I'm check not it sure out. I believe it all, but it was fun. 
I will check it out. Uh, okay, so what we're doing today, and again, this is um, this is my first real uh, attempt at um, recording through Zoom with a with a guest that's uh, not in studio with me, and it's it's killing me because this isn't how I do the show, right? And I never have, and I never want to do it again like this afterward. But Should if we I just have call to, it a day? is that it? No, no, no. We're gonna do it. We're gonna okay. do it. But and I and I appreciate you. Um, uh, what, what do I want to say? Not volunteering, but agreeing to do it like this. Yes. And so I came up with a simple topic for us. We're going to do track by track uh, for Rick Springfield's Success Hasn't Spoiled Me Yet. Uh, I, I don't know what number album this is for Rick, but for me, I personally always just think of it as his second album because I really feel like Working Class Dog is when he really cemented himself as a recording artist. So even though Working Class isn't his first album, in my head, I always think that it is. You know what I mean? And certainly for us growing up in the in the seventies and eighties in in the United States, that's when he came on the right. the, the radar from a musical pers- uh, perspective. Yeah, so I, I didn't. Know, I think didn't, that's fair. Yeah, I didn't know. I'm sure there's the people out there that are going to whine and scream and yell. Yeah, but this and yeah, that. but wait for night and you know all that other stuff. And and I and I own that stuff. But really, this is this is where it starts for me. Working class dog. So let me ask you something. What and you've probably told me this before, but for the sake of this show today. Sure. What is your favorite Rick Springfield solo album? My favorite Rick Springfield solo album is, um, gosh. All right, so I, I went through this. And so, you know, my, my catalog would go from working class to success to living in Oz. Uh, you know, the whole hard to hold thing, I don't know if we count that as, as an album. Cause Not it's really. A soundtrack, but, but, but Love Somebody is a but killer. Love Somebody is a great, I mean, it's just, it's so just great. a great song. So you kind of have to, you know, you kind of have to include it. Um, you know, and then I, I would think that I'm still partial to... Uh, the, to the first one, although I love Rock of Life, and I know it's it's not liked by a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, I like that one too. I really, really love it. It's got some beautiful writing and beautiful songs, but um, I, I think I, I was I was too uh, when when Success came out, I was 11 years old, mm-hmm. um, so I was still a little bit young to fully appreciate it. Uh, Living in Oz really, really hit me. And mm-hmm. so then I also went back and appreciated it even more because I was a couple years uh, older. So if I had to say, I'm still, I'm still probably going to go with Living in Oz. All right, cool. And, uh, and success hasn't spoiled me yet is my favorite one. And when this came out in 1982, I was, I was 18. Was I 18? Yeah, I was 18. So when you buy this album and you're in college, um, it doesn't go over well. You know what I mean? As an 18 year old, when I picked up this album and it's got, you know, some, uh, some, some poodles and, and a, and a dog in a purple and pink clothing and in the back of a limo and it's Rick Springfield. It, it wasn't, um, didn't guys were like, what, what, what the hell? And I'm like, I love it. Uh, that's how I always was. I was just like, say it loud and proud. Yeah. yeah, I always did. I was like, I love it. I don't care. You don't, you don't have to listen to it. Well, this is, this is the problem. It's not a problem. I guess this is the challenge of Rick Springfield. As we know, it it was, you know, it was his looks and the acting part of it and Mm -hmm. all that. And obviously the incredible female audience that he had that turned off people uh, that, that tended to downplay um, his musicianship uh, and his writing ability and all, and, and all of that. And so you had to kind of be separate as a, especially as a male yeah, exactly. uh, Rick yeah. Springfield fan in that 
and I didn't care what he looked like. He looked cool. I mean, yeah, he looked don't, cool. Don't get me wrong. He looked very, very cool. Yeah, you don't want to. The guys that are making fun of it, I, they don't want to look like that. They do. Right. They exactly. want to look like that. They just want to admit I was it. So yeah, I was so much more interested and fascinated by how good the songs were, yes. and that whole thing about you know actors that want to be musicians uh, and others. That, that even from a young age fascinated me to how you kind of cross over and do do all that thing because some people were listening to it as oh this is the actor making making music and i was able to just look and said this is just great music mm-hmm. it just happens to be an actor that's actually uh, actually doing it and and i loved it I, I loved it from the start i loved the production of it uh the great players on it who yep. at the time i didn't realize who who they were and right. i also didn't realize the incestuous type of relationship between you know whether it was uh rick springfield and uh Pat Benatar and and those types yeah, of yeah. groups and, and all those groups that kind of everybody slept with everybody. Yeah, just the crossover with production yeah, and, and writing but, and all that but stuff. But it was sugar. It was that production sugar and that sugar of that time that I just wanted and I couldn't get enough of. Yeah, I mean, the same people that would be listening to the 1975 self-titled Fleetwood Mac album would frown at this album and they're produced by the same guy, Keith Olsen. So, I mean, yes. you know... Um, it's funny about that you say about actors and singers wanting to act and actors wanting to sing because now in 2020, it's kind of not a thing. If if Lady Gaga wants to be in a movie, you're like cool, and it, you know if uh, you know Alicia Keys wants to act, no one cares. Now it's not like a thing. You can do anything you want to do. Yeah, what what an entertainer is is kind of broadened out. Exactly. I think there's a there's a stigma when it comes to to athletes, but uh, I digress. <laughs> I digress. Athletes <laughs> who want to do music, but. But you know that's 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 part that's part of the deal. But you're right. I think it is much more accepted to be able to do all things, and and we've seen so many and J Lo and Timberlake yeah, and all these absolutely. And and you still have to be good. And you still have you still to be have to be good. Yeah, you can't you can't walk through it. You can't uh, you know you have to be good at it. You're right. What now? Let me ask you this: Are you uh, do you have any songwriting inspiration as you're under lockdown for two months? I do. I am sitting in front of uh, Pro Tools uh, session right now. I continue to write and to record and do the music for all three people, including my mother, and uh, will continue to put that stuff out. No, there will be, <laughs> for all three people. It, it will be a, a a long line of crap that comes out from the quarantine and the <laughs> lockdown. Uh, yeah. I will add my crap to it. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of it, some of it actually may be good. Not not talking about myself, but the stuff that I have. But yeah, you know, listen, this is something that I do. It's something that I love to do, and with all of this time and this downtime, obviously it lends itself to being creative and, and doing things and forcing yourself at times to, you know, try different things. I hope the creative forces in television and movies, I hope that in another year and a half that every season premiere of every TV show isn't a, a lockdown episode. You know what I mean? Or how right. many, how many quarantine movies are we going to get? I mean, I, I just hope that they can, uh, you know, get by that and do something even more original. Exactly. I, I think you kind of have to, you have to, you have to, well, you have to go against that uh, you do, to yeah. really separate yourself at this time. Cause there's going to be so much of it. And there know. is definitely going to be a lot of it. And I do predict that when curb your enthusiasm comes back, probably the first episode will be Larry in a mask walking around and just enjoying, uh, enjoying being alone. <laughs> That's uh, what I feel. Yeah, I mean, look, you, you're, you're, they're going to have to do something. So, yeah. you know, I work in the in the sports industry, and obviously, mm-hmm. we don't have live sports right now. No. But, but one of the things that I'm that I'm thinking about is when we start to talk about sports, and when we start to go back to some sort of normal in sports, you know, how long does it last where everybody's kind of 
with the soft approach. And, you know, these are different times and we've just gone through an incredible challenge. And how much leeway <laughs> do you give the players before you get back to slamming them and criticizing them? Exactly. And them out on the, all that kind of stuff, because that's really that's the normal. That's the normal. That's getting back to normal is where you're not taking into account what we've just been through. But we're all human. And, and if and when this ends and when this ends, uh, it will certainly have an impact. Please don't say if. No, no, when, when. <laughs> All right, let's get into this album, Alexi. Let's kick it off with track one from Success Hasn't Spoiled Me Yet. This is something called Calling All Girls. Calling All Girls, excellent uh, way to kick off an album, for sure. I love it. I disagree. <laughs> so, all right, uh, I guess I should preface this by saying we, we live in an age where sequence of songs isn't really that important anymore. Right. But when we were listening to this, and, and for a, a great period of time, it was important. Because yes. Because that's how you listen to it. I, I, don't, I don't like... It's not that I don't like this song. Actually, I do like this song. There's okay. really cool parts of it. But to kick off an album, and in particular, because I always find that, that Rick Springfield has wonderful verses, I, I find this verse completely plodding and <laughs> unmelodic, <laughs> very unrick. Here we and, go. <laughs> oh, that's, that's what bothers me. All right. Okay? In that... I, I expect Rick to do better, especially if you're going to lead off the album with it, because there are time and time again, I hear Rick Springfield songs and I am not only taken with the song as a whole, but all the parts of it fit together and in and of themselves are beautiful. And this one to come out right out of the shoot with one that doesn't have that that verse that really grabs me and not not only grabs me, but it actually repulsed is a bad word. But okay. <laughs> But that's that's my that's my problem with this song. Okay, sequencing too. I think uh, when we get to the song that you feel should open the album, you'll let us know. Okay, great. Did you ever resequence an album, or ner do nerds do that? Do they take an album that they don't like the sequence and they resequence it in their? You can do that in your iTunes. Yeah, I mean, we were doing it back in the day with mixtapes to a certain extent. True. There's some albums that I will hear where I know that on the cassette that I wore out, it was a different order of songs. And usually it's a mixtape, not an actual full album where right. you're mixing and matching uh, like you could do like you could do now. But it is it is an art or it was an art at, at a time because there was an arc of an album and obviously... Even nowadays, you're supposed to put your best song at the top, even when people are streaming, because that that's keeps the them, one they're always going to click right. on first. Exactly. So it, it, you, you better lead it off with something special. And I, I just think that this wasn't special enough to lead off this album. Okay, so can I assume that the past three albums you've released, you feel that the first song on all those albums is the best one on the album? I feel it's the best one to bring somebody 
in, into yeah. the album. Okay, yeah, good to call. Bring somebody into the album. So yes. So again, to rehash, I said, uh, "What a great way to kick off an album." <laughs> and Alexi, you said, "Not." Uh, this is not a great way to kick off an album. <laughs> okay. Okay. And, and and it's not even. I mean, the the girls part of it. I mean, look, we understand what Rick Springfield was. Right. He was in a certain way playing to his base here right. and being very, very direct. And this is what it is. But I just I mean, the verse is just what takes me out of it. And it bums me out because I want to come on with gangbusters right yeah. from the start for a, a you know, a Rick Springfield album. All right. So that's that's my problem. So we're, you know, this is this is part of it. Right. This is all subjective. This is all opinion. Right. I'm- so. It sounds like you don't like this song at all, though. No, I oh no, I love the chorus. Okay, okay, okay. and I love um, uh, the breakdown uh, with the. I mean, the backup vocals on this, and there's there's a bunch of people that that sang on this. Yeah, Tom Kelly. Yeah, uh, people that wrote. Tommy people that played Funderbunk, on it. I think is his just, name. Just wonderful backups, yeah. and you know his um, his bridges are are incredible at times and so this one where it's the calling 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 yeah, yeah. there's a later on in the song i love that part that whole ethereal uh, type of part and once again it says if that part of the song is so good if the verses had just been explored or in in my case the way i would look at it is as improved in a certain way it mm-hmm. would have been it would have been a, a much better opening type of song all right so like the song but not in slot number 1 right exactly all right cool all right, let's uh, let's move on to track two. And again, if you're just tuning in, that's not possible that you could just be tuning in. But we're doing uh, we're doing a track by track of Rick Springfield's "Success Hasn't Spoiled Me Yet" from 1982. Here we go, track two coming up. Love the guitar at the beginning. Well, you admit you like a game, but you're not gonna play. You just ignore what your body is trying to say. I got the feeling that you're playing, and we're both gonna win. And I think this angel's about to sin. I get excited just thinking what you might be like. I get excited, there's heaven in your eyes tonight. The fire's ignited down below, it's burning bright. All right. We stopped it right before he sings about uh, you getting nervous when you bite your lip. (laughs) Um, I'll let you go first on this one then. That way, every every time I talk positive, you won't you won't uh, take me out at the knees. (laughs) Well, I'm going to I'm going to talk positive about this. This should have been this should have kicked off the album. All All right. right. Two two minutes and 32 seconds of just pure gold. Um, the, the knock on this one for some people would be that it is a knockoff of Jesse's girl. But yeah. look, if you are going to steal and cop from somebody better yourself, first and foremost, secondly, if you're going to steal from somebody steal from a, one of your own songs that was really, really good and obviously resonated. So I have no problem with that. As a matter of fact, I think it's very, very, I think it's actually difficult to, write a companion piece or write another version of a song that has been successful and still have it stand on its own, which I think this, uh, I think this does. I would love for this to have kicked off the album. Uh, it was from a nitpicky type of thing. The pop of the mic at the very beginning of the song on the word play, 
drives me nuts and uh, that that Keith uh, Olsen left it in or cared or didn't care about it yeah. is something that, you know, rock and peace. But I would love to have asked him as to why that was that was appropriate uh, to do, even with the technology that they were using back then. But it also makes it very human uh, yeah. and very much of a rock song. So I, I love this. I love this song. It's also one of those rare songs where the name the title of the uh of the song isn't the actual chorus it's just right that's true that. that's true part of that pre-chorus so and that's always interesting to me when somebody decides to do something like that and the keyboards that come in in the second verse i was talking about the verses are just just wonderful this is much better uh overall and the the verses are wonderful i love them and again to get all this uh gorgeousness in two minutes and 35 seconds is incredible he didn't he didn't even use the full three minutes. <laughs> I love it. Exactly. Don't don't bore us. Get to the chorus, all that kind of stuff. It was it's just a perfect little pop gem. And it, it hits all of the bases that that at least I want from my Rick Springfield. All right. And now the next one is one of the singles. I don't know if it was the first single. Was it? Let me look. I look at the thing. No, no, I don't think it was the first single, but it was one of the singles. This is What Kind of Fool Am I? She's seeing tonight Is she really going out with him? He's not her type Doing all the things she used to do to me course we took that one right from the top because it uh it comes right in with rick singing and uh let me hear your thoughts on this one so you want me to start on this one okay uh i can start well i thought we were going back and forth it's up to you we'll go back and forth i'm nervous now (laughs) don't be nervous here's the thing you you actually are a musician you actually uh (laughs) write and sing and um and i don't do that so you're coming from a place maybe of more knowledge than me no, I can no, only tell you not true. I can Doesn't only matter. tell you what I enjoy. That's um, all no, your 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 assessment of it is as valid as anybody, regardless of their proficiency when it comes to musicianship or anything like that. I, I don't I don't buy that. And all right. I will respect it even if I don't agree with it. <laughs> um I, I and, and this is tough too, because this is my favorite Rick Springfield album. So, you know, that means I do like all the songs. So uh, I really do like this song a lot. I love, I love, I love the, uh, it's not, it's not quite a ballad because it, it kicks in a little later on, but uh, I love him singing right from the jump. And uh, yeah, this one's, this one's honey for me. It is, it is honey. I, I, I like the song, I'm, but I'm forcing myself to say I like. So, it, and, and so whatever the notch below like is in okay. your vocabulary, use that, insert that here. Uh, I, I was reminded uh, while I was listening to this, and you know, I've heard this hundreds of times, and, and I don't want anybody to, to think that I don't like this album. I love this album, and I will listen to this <laughs> from start to finish. Yeah. No problem. So uh, the 
the what I kept thinking of was we know that Rick Springfield uh, obviously comes from Australia, and I couldn't help thinking about how this sounded like a um, a gib uh, in the uh, the brothers' gib right. of production from the start. You know, it had that whole "Our love, don't throw it all away" type of um, song, and and that 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 uh, sweet keyboard uh, in it, or, or Olivia Newton-John type of mm-hmm. stuff. And when when Rick does that type of stuff it goes back to a much more teeny bopper type of feel and it kind of, and it can take me, it can take me out. But like you said, the chorus of this uh, kind of brings you back. Yeah. And, and because it's a much more hard rocking chorus, I actually like the, the, the contrast between the verses and that syrupy type in the verses with the much more hard rock type of song that, uh, that appears. So, yeah. And I like the part, we didn't get to it in the clip I played, but when he says, I never meant to say good when I, how is it? maybe we could work it out but i never meant to say goodbye and then it just boom kicks back into what and kind of form and, 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 the, and again yeah. the backing vocals are just they're they're soaring and they're glorious and they're wonderful to be able to sing along because all of these songs you know you can put it in the car with the windows down drive fast and sing along and yeah. mesh in with all those voices that are happening now the first three tracks that we've played so far those were all written by rick springfield on his own yep and the next one coming up I'm reading that it was written, co-written with Rick Springfield and Jim Valance. But that is a little misleading. It's a little misleading. And uh, Alexi turned me on to something about this song this week that I, 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 am, uh, I am floored by what you told me about this song. <laughs> so I guess we'll play track four. We'll play Christina first. And then we're going to get into what you, you, you inform me about that. I have no idea how I never knew about this. And okay. I, I'm being very vague. I'm being very uh, cryptic. But, um, and man, this, uh, before we even play it, this is one of my favorites on the album. I love it so much. So here we go. Christina. Opening riff, terrific. Drums come in, I love it. Fading it down right there after hearing the chorus. And now we got some, uh, well, let's talk about this and then we'll unpack some of the stuff that I was informed of just a, a day ago. So uh, what's your take on Christina? Best song on the album. Okay. Um, 
I, I said earlier that I would have been cool if I Get Excited was the opener, mm-hmm. but thinking more about it, I would much rather Christina be the opener. With the only caveat that what we're about to talk about here kind of taints it. It does taint it. It does taint it. Look, it's it is a great song. And I guess I guess we should <laughs> I guess we should get into what the what the situation is. So I didn't know about this either until a while ago. Um, so that this is I don't know what you call it. Um, it it's a cover it, it, in that it was it was written and done before, but it was written and done before by a group and it was called something completely different with completely different lyrics. So what Rick Springfield and Jim Valance did was take the song and just change the lyrics so much so that they almost fo- followed the exact pattern of the original yeah. when it was singing it. And they made it a lot more rocking. I think they made it their own in that sense. I mean, they wrote new lyrics yeah, for it. But they didn't give credit to the original artist <laughs> so, either. So when you look at the when you look at the the writers on this, like you said, it's Rick Springfield and Jim Jim Valance. This was actually a song that was written and performed uh by BTO, Bachman Turner Overdrive, in 1979, and it was originally called Jamaica. And you can see, if you hear the Christine, it's Christina, so it would be Jamaica. So it follows the exact same melody of the original, which uh, I think you're going to play. But I, I think, uh, shall we play it right now so people get an idea of what we're talking about here? Yeah, and then I just, and I just looked up uh, on uh, Wikipedia the Bachman Turner Overdrive song, and, and that's credited to Jim Valance. Well, then maybe he wrote the original for Bachman Turner Overdrive and then Rick Springfield, obviously writing new lyrics yes. and took half of the credit and that's how they. So, <laughs> so yeah, did. so I guess it's, so I'm not as, t- I was worried that this was going to be written by Randy Bachman and, and, and Fred Turner and it was going to be some plagiarism, but I guess if Jim Valance wrote Jamaica and then Rick just wrote some different lyrics, I guess it's okay. I guess it's okay. I mean, look, they all figured it out, and it's all, all out right. there for people to, yeah. to for people to see. But you know, ultimately, what happened is they they took a an okay song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they um, did, and made it and better. I think they made it better. It is better. I, I think they made it both in terms of lyrically, and I think in the, in the uh, the production and the performance of it. Okay, so this is from 1979. This is uh, BTO. This is Jamaica. If you've never heard it, you're gonna flip. Guitar sounds familiar. Chorus. 
right. That's Jamaica. And Christine is a better song because when you hear that, you know, you just know because there's there. This is a lot more instrumental before it gets to like Rick has words, 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 words. And then it, you know what I mean? The, his yeah. lyrics start sooner on Christina than the lyrics start on Jamaica. But it's but it's I mean, not tainted for me now. If I know now that I know Jim Valance wrote Jamaica and uh, obviously I did my research uh, right in the moment, people. Yeah, that's okay. That's all right. That's all right. Look, it's a great song. Anyway, it's a great song. Anyway, nice. And also that that keyboard part in the uh, in the chorus, you know, that that kind of glittery uh, belly type of keyboard yes. part that's happening. Uh, it's interesting because if you listen to Brian Adams' song "I'm Ready," it has that same type of feel. And I'm ready, if I'm not mistaken, actually had uh, Jim Valance as a part uh, as a part of the, the writer. So that's where, once again, all this incestuous type of it's stuff, all coming not together. just in the writing, but the actual production and the things that you hear and the mix and match and the similarities that you hear between uh, songs and bands that uh, that came out. But this is it's just a great song. I remember seeing him play this. I, I saw him at the coach house like back in 1990. Two-ish or uh-huh. something like like that, and it's and it's great live. Like you said, the great guitars yeah. that they have. Uh, it's just a you know, it's just a really feel-good song. So I would have no problem this kicking off the album either, or and being much higher up. I could also hear uh, you know '80s Brian Adams singing Christina. Also, yep, I think he yep. could do a great job at it too. But uh, but he didn't get a chance to. Jim took it to Rick. Uh, okay, next song, uh, track five on the album. The song is called Tonight. Here we go. Love the intro. Patty's working, but she's watching the clock. Got the hand claps. She's in the back room counting stock. And down in a warehouse out by the dock. Jesse's lifting crates and breaking rock. But when the whistle blows to end the daily fight. And the working forces turn out the light Jesse takes that little girl and he holds her tight As the day fades away, he says Where are all that matters tonight? Tonight's the night I know I'm right Tonight, tonight We'll make it tonight So hold me tight Tonight, be right Don't work tomorrow tonight I just love a song about a girl and a guy and he's doing this and she's doing that. And then when their regular day is done, they're going to, they're going to get together and they're and the weekend's going to start, whatever's going to happen. But I just love songs like this. It's like, you know, Bon Jovi's made a career of writing uh, sure. songs like this, but uh, what's your take on this one? So one of the reasons why I love this song is that it takes what could be really kind of predictable and blah type of lyrics. And, and I'm interested to get your opinion mm-hmm. because I know how sometimes it takes you out of a song. I was even listening to the, the pod, I think the last podcast I heard was, you know, the uh, 2020 uh, Hall of Fame or okay. Hall of Fame thing. And I think at some point you mentioned how when you can predict the next line of a song. Yes, that's troublesome. Like yeah. It. And so, I mean, look, Pat, we're, 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 we're facing a song right here that if I'm not mistaken, at one point, goes through night tight right lights <laughs> and, and it goes through that yes and it yet, does and, and yet, yet because the the melody is so cool um it, it works for, yes. for, uh, for some reason and it i'm okay yeah. if you two was doing this it might not it might not right work, but, but i'm okay with it in this song 
exactly. So that's what that's what I love about uh, what I love about this song. And I think there are some glimpses in this song of some stuff that you see later in Rick Springfield's mm-hmm. uh, catalog. So really, really good. The lead claps. I think you mentioned the lead claps. Anytime you can get actual claps in there that don't distract or uh, or, or seem like they they fit and should be there. I think that's always a uh, yeah, like a really uh, like thing. the car, and, uh, like, like the, the cars breakdown. would do on their on their yes, debut album, exactly. stuff like that. And there's a breakdown later in the song with this incredible high doo wop type of backing vocal that is 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 gorgeous. I don't know if it's him or somebody else uh, somebody else doing it, but it's really really cool and and a whole other part of the song that comes. Yeah, and I will give a shout out. Let me. See, I'm looking right. Yeah, uh, backing vocals were Tom Kelly. Richard Page from Mr. Mister, and a guy named Tommy Funderbunk or Funder Burke, whose name is all over so many albums uh, back in the day. I would read, I would see his name all the time because it's such a you know odd or different right. last name. You can't you can't forget it. So um, and Tim Pierce on guitar and um, Mike Baird on drums. So just great. So now we go to side. No, this is this is still side one. I think yeah, I think it ends side one. It's a cover song. Black is Black. And this album, uh, there's, a, there's a record label uh, out, of, uh, I think they're out of England called Rock Candy Records. And they've, uh, they've re-released all of Rick's uh, albums from Working Class Dog through Walk, uh, Rock of Life. But, uh, but they haven't released this one yet, remastered with all you know the bells and whistles. And for some reason, I, I feel like it's because maybe they can't get the rights to this one song. Black oh. is black. That might be what the holdup is. I don't you know. Think? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But uh, what do we play first? Do we play the original or do we play uh, Rick's cover? Yeah, I think you play Rick's cover. I mean, that's... We play Rick's cover first and then we'll hear a little bit of the yes. original. Okay. The song is Black is Black. Black is Black. I remember when I when the when the needle or when the album came to this song for the first time, I was like, oh yeah, I know this song. Yeah, I've heard this before. Really? Yeah. I I I, 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 I had heard this cover before. Oh. I had never heard it. You had never heard it. And as far as I was concerned, I never wanted to hear it again. This is without a doubt. This is the, you know this is the stinkeroo here, okay, uh, of the album. Okay, uh, uh. when you said that they can't get the rights and so they haven't reissued it, it's fine. Don't even worry about reissuing with this. Take this one off <laughs> take of the it album. off. Okay, it's, it's yeah, addition by subtraction here. This is no, no, no go. No, no, absolutely not. It doesn't matter. You can listen. You can play the covers. You can play the uh, the original versions and all that kind of stuff. It still doesn't get any better. You don't like the you don't like the original song either. You just don't no. like the song. No, I don't like I don't like the song. Yeah, it's. Do you it's, like Do you like Rick's Rick's version is faster than the original. It doesn't matter. I don't I don't like it at all. I mean, you're you're about to play the original. I'm going to play the original. 
it's this weird like uh austin powers 60 <laughs> thing going on here you'll, you'll, you'll know what i'm talking about as soon as you the band is las bravas if i'm yeah, saying it right the, or las bravos seems to be a, a a spanish band uh i mean it's covered by a bunch of different people yeah but, but this is the original yep okay here we go a little slower, a little definitely 60 sounding. Black is black. I want my baby back. It's gray, it's gray. I see she went away. What can I do? Cause I, I feel it. I do like the production on this original one. There's some some cool '60s keyboard and the drums sound good. Now let me ask you this: Is it the uh, is it the music or the lyrics or is it everything? Is it the lyrics you don't like? Sorry, Pat, I lost you there. You back? That's okay. Um, I was asking you if uh, is it the is it the music or the lyrics that you hate more, or do you just not like anything about it? I don't like anything about it. Nothing about it at all. I don't like the lyrics. I don't like the melody. I don't like the production. Uh, it no. I don't like anything about it. And uh, you know, I'm I'm wondering on a song like this how this comes to be because there's always some story where right. they shared managers or I lived next door to the guy and uh, or I grew up singing this song at camp or whatever it ends up being. I'm just, I'm fascinated to find out how this came to be. You mentioned other, other covers. There was a French um, vocal trio called La Belle Epoque. And back in 1976, evidently, this song went to number two in the UK and number one in Australia. So I'm wondering if it was something that came on his radar in Australia. It was much more disco-y dance type right. of feel thing. But I'm just, I'm I'm amazed and fascinated that it happened, but I'm also curious as to why he ever thought that this would be good and why he ultimately included it. And also there's 12 songs in the album. So you could have easily just had 11 songs on the album. I mean, I don't hate it, but I'm just saying uh, if you, you know, if there's no need for a cover. Right. Exactly. Let me look this. And and I know that you're personal friends with Rick. And so, you know, you're pulling your punches here and everything. And I understand. I'm not pulling my butt, but I would. (laughs) But oh, this brings me I wanted to say this when we were talking about Christina and Jamaica. You know, Rick's I've been in the room with Rick and I've been in the room with um, with uh, Randy Bachman. And it just frustrates me that I didn't know about this Jamaica Christina thing, because I definitely would have asked both of them about it. And there's not a lot online to find out about no. how it all came, uh, how it all came to be. And there's certainly not a lot online to find out how the hell black is black came to be. No, when it comes to, no. Uh, be included. And that could have been Keith Olsen. Maybe he loved that song. He was just like, hey, you know, do this. Who knows? Who knows? All right. Now we're moving to side two of the record. Now, from just what's happened so far, you don't like two of the songs on side one. So it. Well. Well, I mean, you don't like one of them. I definitely don't like Black Black. Black. I'm okay with calling all girls. I just don't like the verse. Okay. So I think you're probably going to, I'm just speculating. You're probably going to like side two of the album better than side one. I don't know. We'll find out. We'll find out. Let's kick it off with the first single on the album. This is uh, Don't Talk to Strangers. Still in school How come you never learned the golden rule 
Some Alexi, are you a slick continental dude? I was just about to say, when I heard the, the lyric continental dude, I was so just curious as to what that ultimately meant right. for Rick or anything. Or was it once a piece of jargon that I was missing yeah. in my little, you know, suburban bubble young uh slurpy type of existence <laughs> yeah because i've never heard it either <laughs> yes i didn't know what he what the hell he was talking about like there but look this is but at the same time you get a you know what he's talking about yes you don't yes. know that term but yet you know exactly the kind of guy he's talking about it was yeah it was such a creative type of word to use but and even though i hadn't heard it before i i, I still did i guess know what he was talking about but this is a i mean this is a perfect gem of an 80s beautiful song mm-hmm. tailor-made for solid gold and <laughs> right exactly Kasem and, and and everything and obviously really really um uh, keyboard heavy and dependent on that keyboard as opposed to other ones that are much more guitar oriented and you you got the feeling that this one was manufactured mm-hmm. and written in a in a very and i'm gonna say calculated but that's not a bad thing i mean no a, like this is a perfect type of pop song, and it went to number two. Yes, on the, it did. Uh, and it uh, what kept it off the charts were a couple of guys named Paul McCartney and Stevie Wonder. Not too shabby. And too uh, shabby. even though I'm not, not that big a fan of Ebony and Ivory, it's hard to uh, hard to knock those two heavyweights off the chart, no matter what kind of song you got. And it, and this is also an example where a song takes on new and com- sometimes even completely different meaning. Because if you read up about this song, evidently it's about. His girlfriend, uh, and I guess then our eventual wife, screwing around on him because he was screwing around. Well, all right. So it was this incredibly insecure type of reaction Mm -hmm. and authoritative type of, uh, you know, don't do what I do, but do what I say type of of things. And And then it became a much more anthemic type of thing for for children and, and, you know, a cautionary and warning type. Exactly, yeah. And it's uh, and those two, Rick and his wife, are still together. So more power to them for be- being able to work out whatever uh, differences and obstacles they've had in their marriage and to, and to stay together because that that's not easy, you know, when you're when you're when you're Rick Springfield. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I always wonder what it would be like to have the world know that you are part of a song, or you know, either the the, uh, the focus of the song, or you know, whether it's good or bad. How how that ultimately plays out and manifests in exactly. somebody's life, especially if it's a huge, huge song and everybody knows the backstory and, and talks about it. It can't be, I don't know if it's easy or not. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you just forget about it anyway. All right. We are on side two of Success Hasn't Spoiled Me Yet, Rick Springfield's uh, sixth album, but we call it his second album because we're taking liberties. Uh, this is track number two. And for me, now for me, this is one of my favorite songs on the album for sure. Let's listen. I just, I just love the sentiment. I love, I love um, 
I love Rick Springfield, good looking Rick Springfield singing about being shy when it comes to girls. When this song it has to be bullshit, <laughs> you know what I mean? He didn't have any trouble getting girls. But, but, but there it, could have been a time where even Rick Springfield was a, had trouble doing it. And so his vulnerable, vulnerability uh, in, in that moment mm-hmm. comes through. And that's appealing to so humans. Even though I was 18 when this song came out, I would listen to it as if I was like a 13 or 14 year old kid. And it would take me right back to a time when maybe you were at the dance and you were scared to ask the girl to dance or whatever it was. And uh, I just love it. And I love the music. I, I, and let's play it and then we'll talk to Alexi. Here we go. Well, I'm sick of hanging out on the street every Saturday night with the boys. Listening to the radio, the big, big, we crank it just to hear the noise. Yeah, we talk about the girls, 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 and we talk, talk, talk all night. A show we're all Romeo's and Casanova's, but we can't seem to Love the guitar too. I don't know what you call that type of a guitar when it's just like um, I don't I don't know I don't know technical talk on guitars, but I just love uh, I, I just love the guitar on that. It's a great song. It, it's a great song. That whole calypso feel in the in the verse. Yes. I love it. Uh, I love I love that. Again, the backing vocals are so cool. Um, the the innocence or the I guess the Im- immaturity that that you would think would kind of pull you out of it. Right. It still works for Yeah, that that actually pulls me into it. It works the opposite for me. But you know how when some, sometimes people are singing songs that seem too either mature or immature for who they, who they are. Yes. And it's not, it's not as if he was a teenager when he was singing, singing this. No, but but a lot of his songs, as, as you know, you know, talk about a, a time gone by and especially, you know, his friends and those things that they got up to, and so they are they are universal problems uh even even if he's you know just projecting it uh, into his thir- his teenage type of self yeah. uh and putting it out there but it doesn't sound teeny bopperish or, or anything No no and it's um very cool. when he's what's the one lyric that we didn't get to um am I stupid or misunderstood I'd say something clever if I only, if I only could did. we're only 10 feet apart but it seems like worlds how do you talk to girls just yep. love it just uh, tangled, for, tangled up in their curls and all tangled that up in their curl. Every, all of it. Love it. Um, all right. Track nine is still crazy for you. Here we go. My feelings deep. You've got me calling your name in my sleep. We've held each other while we cried through the night.
That's the longest song on the album, just a little under four minutes, and it's written by an outside writer, Charles Sanford, who also plays guitar on the album, some of the guitars with Tim Pierce. What, uh, what are your thoughts on that one? Love it. I love, uh, I love this song. Uh, you, you, know, you mentioned the guitars, and you know, Tim Pierce, actually, uh, for people, um, just a great guitarist, the solo in John Waite's Change, mm-hmm. guitars actually on Runaway from... Uh, from Bon Jovi, worked with Bon Jovi, worked on like Crowded Houses, uh, Don't Dream It's Over, Michael Jackson's Black and White. You can actually go on YouTube and he's got a wonderful YouTube channel where he goes through and actually plays some of the, tells you how he played some of these solos and stuff like that. It's, it's really, really interesting to see him. And the guitars all over, to be quite honest, all of Rick Springfield's albums are wonderful. And not just him playing it, but others that he brings in and right. he recognizes that it just makes it that much better when he brings in other people that are that are really really good. And here, you know, here's an example. The guitars are great. You mentioned uh, Charles. I think they, at times they call him Chaz. Chaz, yes, that's songwriting credit wise. That's what I would see most often was Chaz right. Sanford. So I mean, he co-wrote uh, "Missing You" from John Waite and "Talk to Me" from Stevie Nicks and these types of things. Yeah. So the collaboration, you know, sometimes sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. In this case, I think he had all guns blazing. Great, great writing, great production, great great guitars and a great performance. And it's not really a, a ballad, but you can see people kind of swaying back and forth right. to it as he's, as he's singing it, but it's not a complete, just stark type of ballad. It's still got, still got groove and it's still got, you know, something to tap your foot to. And we're going to move on to an, another song with, uh, with, uh, there's three songs with girl in the title, calling all girls. How do you talk to girls? And now we're moving on to American girl. Not, it's not the Tom Petty song. This is a, a Rick original. Here we go. Track 10. And again, the guitar at the beginning of the song is amazing. You can see her walking down on the city street. The American girl. She's got the passion in her eyes. She's got the blush on her cheeks. The American girl. That is, uh, I love the, uh, I love the background vocals on that big, powerful, you know, everyone's singing at the same time. Uh, yeah, I mean, the guitars, like you mentioned, are yeah, great. So great. The whole Americana thing from Rick Springfield is a, is you, you it's a thread that goes through a lot of his albums, mm-hmm. a lot of his songs. And, and obviously that whole discovery coming from a different country and, and what lives up to and what doesn't live up to it. And, and the girl part of it, that is it always seems to be there, but you know, these stories that he tells through his eyes, seeing America and seeing what America is for the first time. I, I, I love, you know, I, I love all that. I mean, this is almost in a, in a strange way. You could see others doing this song in, in, yeah. in, and making it their own. But, you know, if this had appeared on the second side of 
you know, uh, John Cougar's, uh, you know, American Fool or whatever. Yes, uh, yes. You know, something like that. It would, it would, it would have been done differently, but it still, it still would have worked. It's that type of. It paints a picture, right? Yeah. And everybody can relate to it. And and certainly when you're at a, you know, sitting on the grass of a amphitheater in the middle of a, a, a early '80s summer with the sights and the sounds and the smell that that resonates through that crowd uh, in, in suburbia in, uh, in the United States. It's so funny. Rick Springfield to me seems so American that I forget. I often forget that he's from Australia. He just well, doesn't, we've, he, we've adopted him. Yeah. We've adopted him and he, he's adopted us. And uh, yep. I want to go back to Tim Pierce too. When social distance, distancing is over, he would be a great guest to have on. Oh Yes. Because we could Absolutely. play so many cool songs, and uh, maybe he would play in studio for us too. Who knows? You got to do it. I'm going to look for him. He probably still lives out here, right? I would think so. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll look into it well, for sure. Now, now, in your in your world of Zoom, <laughs> oh yeah, because it's working out <laughs> so stellar. Just so people know, we've stopped down twice to uh, restart a meeting up. So, and I'm leaving this in just so you know. You won't know until I say it right here, because it'll be so seamlessly edited. But. Uh, yeah, it's um, but it's working. And again, I'm glad you're doing this with me. No, it's working. It's fine. Uh, okay, track eleven. We're almost done. We're almost done with the dozen. This song is called "Just One Kiss." Keyboards, the drumming. Uh, this this is one of my favorites too. What about you, Alexi? Good God, really? Yes, I love this one. Oh, this God. is where we fight. No, this is wrong. This is another song that is wrong. This is a song <laughs> that no, 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 no. I love no. it. Look, I mean, and we talked about writers. Uh, Tom Kelly, Billy Steinberg. You know, yes, incredible. Those pedigree. are the writers for this one, right? <laughs> True colors, like a virgin, eternal flame, so emotional. Great writers. But doesn't mean that just because you have great writers, it's going to be a good song in everybody's hands. And so this is a situation where, I mean, first off, this is a song that should be on a, on a uh, like a, a, a soundtrack, a Grease soundtrack or something like that. Or, or give it to somebody else. Like, you know, look, I love Air Supply, mm-hmm. but this is a song that Air Supply should have done. A little more up-tempo than, than normal stuff, okay. but, but it would have been something that they, in their hands, it would have been much better. So you don't like it for Rick, but you like the song but not for rick yes i like the song but okay. not for rick it was it was a poor choice of song for him to uh to record it's not that you know he did a bad job at it mm-hmm. or that, but it, it's just when you're picking the songs that you didn't write right you have the world to pick i mean well that's true you want so you better pick pick wisely and if this is what you're going to come up with then i got to take you to task Chris. rick just the way it's <laughs> gonna go all right 
Uh, I'm trying to, I don't have the credits in front of me, but I, it seems like subsequent albums, there's not, there isn't really covers. And I don't know what, if there's outside writers. Let me see. Yeah, a little bit, but I don't know that he really covers any songs after this album so much. And, and once again, you, you always wonder what the situation was and what type of, even pressure. I mean, there, were, there are artists that are pressured and or give and take. There's a, a back and forth and a negotiation. All right, I'll do this song, but then you got to let me do this. Right. Or you never know why things actually happen. Or does the artist just feel, hey, this is a great song and I really like the way that we recorded and I want to include it. And if that's the case, then... Uh, you know, Rick needed somebody else to tap him on the shoulder and say, hey, not so much on this one. And the label probably wanted to ride the success of working class dogs so much that they were willing. They probably were like, do this cover and maybe try this. And they, they were they, they had a lot at stake, too, I guess. It is. But I mean, it's it's kind of buried at the end of the of the album. Yes. Uh, and there goes it goes back to sequencing there. So. Uh, and so now the album closes out uh, with April 24th, 1981, which is uh the date that uh, Rick's dad uh, left the planet. He passed. Mm -hmm. And this is a theme that Rick goes to in a lot of songs after his dad uh, passes away. He's, you know, lots of dad references throughout, which is, uh, which is fantastic because you, you just know how much uh, his dad meant to him and that he was a, a true role model for his son. And, um, and he was supportive of his son's choices. And that's a big thing when you're a, when you're a kid, it, knowing that your parents are, are in your corner and uh, supporting you at whatever you decide to do, even if it's something crazy, like I want to be in a band or m maybe I want to be a professional soccer player or I want to try stand up comedy. I mean, you need to have, uh, you need to have your folks uh, in your corner uh, big time so that you can yeah. succeed. So uh, what do you think of it? Now, and this is, this is almost, it's a song, but it's almost an, a, a coda yeah. kind of, because it's a minute, 33 seconds, more of a tribute to his dad. And, um, and let, let's hear it. And then I'll, and then I'll get your thoughts. Here okay. we go. April 24th, 1981. pretty much it in its entirety you got to hear all the all the lyrics and um and again it, more of a tribute and a coda uh you know for for his dad so what do you yeah. think of this so when i heard it i didn't know what it was about like i said i was 11 12 years yeah, old i probably didn't either heard it. so i didn't i didn't know the backstory and we certainly weren't living in the internet age so i could readily find out what the hell it was about right and like you said it's 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 since become the companion piece to my father's chair yeah. and, and live when they when they do that together he puts them both together and you know the 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 emotion of it and the way that it does finish the album i think it's a perfect ending to an album mm -hmm. um and yeah it's a it's a kind of a coda but it's so ethereal and 
uh, obviously huge, huge synth uh, type of background, which makes it heavenly and and um, you know almost uh, churchy in a yes. good in a yeah, really in, really in good, a good way. way. And and so it was you know it 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 even though I didn't know what it was about, um, and I would have to just kind of think about different things. I, I recognized that there was, it was there was a solemn type of thing happening here, whatever the hell he was talking about in this in this moment. I think it's just a great way to finish up uh, finish up an album uh, like that and to kind of be that that finishing book end of uh, of an album. And it, uh, I mean, it still it still gets him when he sings this with my father's chair. You can see it on his face. He's not. Mm-hmm. He's still. He's almost. He's still grieving. It, it feels like he's still. I don't want to say hasn't let it go because that's that sounds dismissive, but he still deeply feels connected to singing uh, those two songs back to back. And, and obviously they're still in the set list and he's, yeah. so and I uh, think he has, he has, unlike a lot of people out there and a lot of us, we don't have that platform with which to celebrate with a mass of people. Right where they, they can't go anywhere, but yeah. <laughs> just to celebrate with them and honor somebody that obviously is very, very important to him. But he also, he did it in, in a way that, you know, the, the melody of it is beautiful. And yes. so even if it had been about, you know, a dog or whatever, uh, or a girl or something like right. that, it still would have resonated. It was still good. And so that, that, that's the best part um, if, you're, if you're doing this type of tribute if you can make it also a really good song, then you're cooking. Yeah. So uh, it's perfect placement of the album. If this was anywhere else, it wouldn't, it would that just seem be, very yeah. odd. Even if it was at the end of side one, it would seem odd because then on your CD, it would have been right in the middle. It just wouldn't have been good. So this is perfect, perfect yeah, it placement. It might have been a hidden, a hidden track later on. Yes, when, yeah, when it, exactly. It could have been a hidden track too. All right, so that's the 12 songs. Now I'm going to ask you this, and I didn't ask you this prior because I want you to do it right here in the moment. Okay. Can you tell me your top three favorites from this album? Your top three songs. Yes. Uh, Christina, um, I get excited, and uh, gosh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Doc, don't, Don't Talk to Strangers. Just All right. because of the just the the beautiful pop craftsmanship of that song, and I too agree with Christina, but then for me, I go with um, I go with how do you talk to girls, and uh, just one kiss. Oh, okay. <laughs> those are really? my those are my three that I love. Like I, I probably have those in like my my treadmill playlist because they're just like they just move. That gets I don't me. understand the just one kiss thing. I mean, I know I just love it. Just it's just like a bopping back and forth. I uh, picture yeah. you just doing that '80s bop back and forth. You know, I have a big headband uh, on. Whatever, yeah, your Reeboks on. Yeah, and, I don't yep. and the, the headband is—it's like a, it's terry cloth. It's right, exactly. Giant. Yeah, I get it. I understand. I understand. <laughs> I um, it's so funny. It's just when you when you grow up in you know, you know, I was so locked in the '80s. I mean. Even though, you know, I'm so locked into the 80s music still. It's really, it's really a great decade and it's really hard to. But I feel like you're trying to apologize for it. I don't apologize it. You shouldn't uh, apologize for it. it I'm not apologizing for it. It's my favorite. It's my favorite. It's my favorite music. I think it, it married the, the best of the actual 
uh, audio part with the best of the actual video part. Yeah, I'm an MTV great. kid. Yeah, great. I mean, it was just, and it was, it was so much a part of our life. And and people, now we're going to sound old, but the, right. the pe- kids nowadays, these they don't kids, understand. They you know they have music in their life. Yeah, but, but in a different it way. Doesn't you know they don't digest it in the same way. Mm-mm. It doesn't resonate in the same no. way. And you know that's that that time is gone. But we are still a generation that was so heavily influenced by it. And I will look. I'll die on the '80s hill when it comes to music. No problem. Yeah, like if you if you heard a Prince a Prince song on the radio and you love that song, you had to save up your money and yep. and go buy the album if you wanted to hear the rest of the music. Now, Spotify, click it on here. You know, hear whatever you want. It's it's different. It's a different, a, definitely a different uh, way music is serviced to our hearts and heads and ears for sure. Um, but yeah, I always say the eighties, look, you could, you could turn on the radio and you would hear Prince and Michael Jackson side by side with U two, Bruce Springsteen, Madonna, Cindy Lauper. I mean, I felt like it was like some people just go, ah, eighties music. I felt like it was such an eclectic decade. Oh, I agree with you. I, and I, and and the quality sometimes gets bypassed or dismissed mm-hmm. because of the over-the-top uh, production. The sometimes, production, yeah, the production, the the aesthetic uh, of mm-hmm. the time, the you know, big we, hair. We joke about, yeah, we joke about and all that, but incredible musicians, incredible writers, um, and incredible performers, and like you said, so many different types. There was something for everybody, and I I I think that that we listened to it with. I think I think we were much more receptive to a whole a whole lot more back yes. then. You know, we weren't as you gave as, the whole album a chance. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. well, he definitely did that. Yes, he definitely did. And that. you would play it. You would play it until you knew every single word of every single song. Yeah, that's you'd make even, up the words if you didn't know what they were saying. You'd make up the words. <laughs> even if I buy, if even if I hear a new song and I, or, or I, there's a new artist I like, I still don't give that new music the attention that I gave that music when I was a teenager, you know what I mean? Like it takes, yeah. it, it would take a long time for me to listen to every single song and learn the lyrics and be able to, you know what I'm saying? There, yep. there's a few bands I have like that, but, um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's a different, it's different. Well, we're not going back to that anytime soon. No, we're not, soon. we're not so going it's, back. Uh, it's all right. But what, that's why we have you and, and this wonderful platform to, no. Uh, well, yeah. so thank you very back. much. Now, Alexi, and you have, uh, and you have the, uh, sta- are you doing the state of the union podcast while you're in quarantine? I am. I am. I continue to work with, uh, with Fox, uh, Fox sports over there. And, uh, I, I, as I said, Fox are not like, what, <laughs> not like it was uh, a couple of months ago, right. but you know, hopefully we're going to get back to some uh, form of sports going forward. Uh, and I'll continue to talk and scream and yell about soccer. I can still do the State of the Union podcast that you can find every uh, every week. We have a, uh, a weekly show on uh, FS1 over on Fox called Indoor Soccer, which is a weekly magazine soccer show. We continue to do all sorts of different digital uh, content that's uh, getting thrown out there right now, as you can imagine. Uh, right now, we're all working from our homes. Um, yep. And, uh, you know, we, but and, and as as challenging and as at times difficult as it may be, uh, I'm still in an incredibly privileged and fortunate position relative to most people out there. And so um, I remind myself that and my my kids and my family about that when we have our moments of meltdown and, and complaining. Yes. And, and we do that here, too. We we uh, we acknowledge that we are we are lucky uh, and luckier than than some and and most. Yep. So, um, well, stay healthy, stay safe. Are you still going out for a run every day? 
I still run every day. I run through the streets. Now I look like a wild man with the, uh, with the hair. I run at night. Uh, so I am, it's cooler. I am patrolling. It's, it's cooler. There's less people. I am patrolling the streets of Los Angeles, uh, <laughs> like a, a, a caped crusader or a, a masked crusader. So are you wearing a mask when you're running? I am. I, I bring it with me out of respect uh, for others. I don't come across a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. And so if if I do come across anybody, and I'm running through kind of alleyways mm-hmm. and, and different places, so there's not a whole lot of people. But if I do come in contact or even close to people out of respect, I will put it up well ahead of time so that uh, I'm running through uh, and doing this thing. I mean, look, if it... If this is if this is the worst thing in life that we have to do right now, yeah, it, it's, and others it's safe, a good life. Know, we can we can do it. We can fight about other things going yeah. forward, but this is one of them where I'm I'm fine. And I got an American flag one that's pretty awesome. So um, I'm that's cool. Fashion from a fashion perspective, you you see me coming. <laughs> Pilar and I were walking yesterday, and um, I keep the mask on all the time. She takes it off when there's no one around, and then we see someone up in the distance. She puts it back on. But it was really hot yesterday. And she says to me, she goes, aren't you hot behind that mask? And I said, some would say so. <laughs> and the biggest laugh from her, like she could not stop laughing. She just was like, that really caught her by surprise. Because I'm I mean, ugly. That's, that's <laughs> like, I, I get it. But in, but in a sense, that's incredibly sweet and, and loving that you can still make her laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, fun. I mean, oh, there's nothing better than making, uh, making Pilar laugh for sure. Uh, okay, so we do need a play out song, but we've played every song on this album, but here's what I've chosen. And okay. this is good too, since we both put Christina in our top three, I'm going to play Christina from Rick's album that came out in 2019 called Orchestrating My Life. This is where Rick took uh, some of his past recordings and put uh, orchestration to them. Sometimes it was a little light for me. There wasn't, an, he didn't go for it enough, but I feel like with Christina, yeah, he did go all out and it kicks off that album. So Alexi, thank you so much for being here. I can't wait till we can record in person and, and tackle some Bon Jovi and, uh, or whatever you want to do or whatever you want to talk about and my best to you and your family. And thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me each and every time. It's a, a real pl- a pleasure and a privilege. So thank you. Thank you so much. And here is Christina from Orchestrating My Life 2019. <laughs> 